0: I'm one of the pastors, one of the elders here, and I'm our family ministry director here also. And if you've noticed, and um, probably have, there are a lot of little people here today, and it's not Bobby or myself, um, but kids. So all the kids, can you just get up and say, "Woo!" I really, I really expected more out of my kids. I really expected a whole lot more. All right, one more try. One more try. Mercy, can I get a what, what? What, what? No, put her on the spot. Shot up. Look at that. Look at that. Yeah, that's what happens. All right, kids, one more time. Ready, set, loud as you want to. Go. <laughs> Clearly, I'm a failure is, is what we have, we have found out, right? All right. We'll work on this, kids. Don't worry. This will happen again one day. Hey, uh, just as a little bit of housekeeping with, uh, with it being uh, family day, Um, I know parents. You guys are in charge, so that's cool. But if your kid gets up, it will not bother me. Um, So if there's a little bit of distraction, a little bit of kids going wild, if they come in and, I mean, ideally they won't be like dipping their hands in the juice up here. But I mean, if they do, I'm probably just gonna just keep going. All right, I'm just gonna keep rolling. All right. So one, don't be, um, don't feel awkward if your kid makes some noise. At some point, Huddy will probably yell "Dada" real loud. Uh, mercy might get a what what I don't know am I gonna get one <laughs> obviously my daughter is the redhead in the very back with the cat ears alright so uh, so if your kids get wild it's completely okay and adults if you don't have kids I know this is probably gonna be like why can't they keep their kid in line I used to think the same thing before I had children I would get onto my sister and like you can't leave this this table a mess at the restaurant now I have kids i understand okay i totally understand i get it so um listen uh, this is an opportunity um so um uh, this isn't anything to do with the message but if i can just share this is an opportunity um we are called as parents to be ambassadors to our children for the gospel that is our command that is our call they are not our kids they are gifts to us from god so that we can ambassador them and lead them and guide them toward the gospel like they are his kids and we are trusted with teaching them how to love the Lord, our God, with all their hearts, with all their minds, with all their souls. And we can only do that to the best of our ability. And God equips us for every single moment of this, right? What an amazing way that they get to see you and, and I sing, you know, praises and worship to God. Because they should know that we're not ashamed of our faith, not ashamed of our King, not ashamed of our Christ. And then that maybe that we would actually pass on that same type of love, that same type of passion to our kids. Imagine if we just came in here and the kids were just wearing it out singing praises to, to Christ. Um, so that's our call. To, so so hopefully we get to do that. Every time we do a family Sunday, hopefully we get to just, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Um, hopefully we get to just get loud and sing and have fun and celebrate our families as the gift that they are from God himself and praise him for that. So anyways, uh That's extra. Um, We'll have buckets in the back. You can pay for that little tip of advice. Uh, I'm just kidding. There will be no bucket, but um, yeah, just so we know. So anyways, I'm going to read this, and we'll get rolling. In the beginning, this is John 1, 1 through 5, okay? Was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and darkness has not overcome it. Let's pray. And as we pray, I'm just going to ask that you would pray with me uh, and pray for me. I'm going to pray for you, and um, let's just see what happens. barth um, he's a famous theologian carl barth said this he was once asked hey what is the greatest thought that you've ever had now i just want to pause before i go in to give you his answer but have you ever thought about this what's the greatest thought that you have ever had what is the most deep and meaningful moment thought the concept that's come to your mind and i just want you to hear what his response was and then think about it carl barth was asked what was the greatest thing the greatest thought you've ever had his answer jesus Loves me. This I know. For the Bible tells me so. You see, love, this, this love that, that he's thinking of is the greatest thing, the greatest thought, the greatest concept that his mind has ever had. Now, when I asked you, like, if you were asked this question, what thought would come into your mind? Listen, here's where I want us to get to. So the the, the whole foundation that we want to lay with today's sermon is, is is, is this concept of love and what that looks like in your life and in my life. But the love of Christ is so deep, so meaningful, so transforming, like apart from it, this life is absolutely hopeless. Right? And now, if that's true, and I believe that it is, and I believe that it is for, for so many different reasons, but just one on the basis of, of the Bible. The Bible tells us that this is a truth. Um, from experience, from seeing what that love has impacted and done to my life, like like seeing this applied, all right? Now, if that's true, and, and like I said, I believe that it is, then there's a responsibility for every single one of us in the middle of this love, okay? Now, we start, and, and this is where we get into the series, it's called Love Does. Love is not inactive, all right? Love does, and our goal is to see what love does in our lives, is to personally apply it and to let it, it play out into our lives, okay? So so much so that love would be so ingrained in who you are that people would not have any, any concept of what you're like as a human being apart from love. Now, is that, that's pretty daunting, right? It's pretty amazing. Like, think of all of our flaws and all of our, you know, individual character traits. What if the way that people summarize you trying to explain it to someone else, what if, what if they said, oh, you know, um, Mike, Man, the best way I can explain Mike, he's one of the most loving people I've ever met. Or 10. Weird hats, but man, he is loving. Right? What if, what if that was the, your identifier? What if your identifier, the way that people explained to you, when they said how to, it wasn't even about what you looked like. It was genuinely that you were the most loving person that, that I've ever met. You'll know them by their love. Right? That is is what I'm talking about. What if it was so ingrained in who we are that this is actually what people thought of us whenever they thought of us? Love. Listen, if we have this as a part of our lives, we will change the world around us. It's not possible not to. Like, when love is overflowing in your life, you will impact those around you. How do I know this? Let me ask you this. How do you know this? Because you know that I'm telling you the truth, right? How many of you have had that one person that you could sum up, they loved you? Did it it change you? Did it impact you? Do you remember their face? Whenever I'm downstairs with the kids, and down there every week, really, um, we do value teachings like we do up here with our volunteers. And um, I always ingrain and tell, whenever I'm teaching this to our volunteers, to our teachers, is, listen, if you love every single child as if they are the most important child in the world, just do this consistently like that's all it's all we want just love them when they're 30 when they're 40 when they're 50 they will know your face they will remember your name and it won't be because of all the cool things you brought to the table it'll be because it's who you are i can remember my sunday school teachers because of the way they love me not because of i mean they made some killer monkey bread don't get me wrong it was sweet but they did that do you know why because they love me they would ask about my day, they would ask about my week, they would look in on us, they would invite us, like, like they were invested in my life because of their love, and I remember their faces, most of which they have passed on by now, but they left a legacy in my heart. And it's all because of love. One, um, one evening just before uh, this, you guys probably won't know who these people are, I have no clue who they are, but I just thought this was an amazing story, so I'm going to share it. But this was... Uh, a Broadway musical star Mary Martin she was about to go on stage for this Broadway show called uh, South Pacific and she was handed a note okay and this note came from a dude his name was Oscar Hammerstein and at that very moment he was actually on his deathbed now here is the letter that he wrote dear Mary a bell is not a bell till you ring it a song is not a song till you sing it love in your heart is not put there to stay love isn't love until you give it away You see, love is not passive. It's not something that we hoard deep in our hearts. It isn't isn't something for us to hold within here and to never share, to never let out. No, love love is actually active. It's engaged. It is constantly seeking who it can be poured out upon. And here's the truth. If you really want to experience love in the most maximum of ways, my daughter's waving. Not me. No, I don't get the time of day. Listen, um, I'm, now she's got a, a, a surrender flag, okay? It's going off the rails quick. One of the things about love is, is here what you know. Whether you're married or not, whether you have children or not, this reality comes true. Love, you start to experience it even deeper as you start to share it with another person. It's maximized as we give it away. Like, like you could say, well, I can never pour out all my love, right? Well, right, you can't. You really can't pour out all your love because the more you pour out, the more you'll find is actually being... Like just brought into action brought into place being originated from the very depths of your soul so that you can have more to pour out however you keep it to yourself and you know that your well will run dry your well will run dry when we withhold our love (laughs) so what does that mean for us today what does it mean what we're going to talk about when we say love does there's one very fundamental way that we can communicate love to another human being there's one way and, and just there are multiple ways, but here is one way. One of the most fundamental. What up, buddy? Um, love speaks. Love speaks. That's going to be what we're talking about today. Love in action. Love speaks. In Hebrews chapter ten, if you'll turn with me, um, it's also in U version. So if you've got it there, all the notes are there. U version. Um, just go to events, Rich Church. There it is. Hebrews chapter ten, verse twenty-three through twenty-five. And this is going to be our main set of scripture for today. Um, we're going to flip a little bit, but This is it. Uh, So if you want to hold to one place, this is the one to hold on to. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and to good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. You see, love speaks, and it does so with with basically some, some simple parameters. One of the ways that love speaks, and we're going to dive into how this comes out from these scriptures and from some of the other scriptures, is this right here alone. Love speaks is purposeful and genuine. It has a reason, and it has some sincerity. Like, like we don't need no fake love, right? That's terrible grammar, but you know exactly what I mean. Like, sometimes you'll hear, fake it till you make it. No, not with love. Like, love genuinely. If you ain't ready to do that, Hold back for a moment until you, you've allowed love to be poured into you so that it now reproduces for someone else. It is purposeful and genuine. It is also concerned and courageous. And we're going to dive into each one of these points, so it'll make more sense in a minute. It is concerned and courageous. It is also engaged, and it is consistent. It is engaged, and it is consistent. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5, 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5, it says this. Got small font. I'm just going to switch over because I'm getting older, and I've noticed that reading is harder. And I don't think the words have changed. I'm going to check that out one day. All right. So, First Timothy one five. The aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and sincere faith. So let's let's go back to that first point. It is purposeful and it is genuine. So so here's the thing. When we look at First Timothy and it says the aim of our charge, right? So here's what we're saying. There is something to look at in our charge, our instruction. There is a purpose for it. There's a purpose for what we are going to do. What we're going to do with what? With love. Okay? So this is where we go. So, purposeful and genuine, it means that it has a purpose to instruct and to lead and to guide and to develop people. Love has a purpose. That purpose played out in the gospel is this, that we can pour into someone else for their betterment, to serve them, to love them. It is so that we can guide them and edify them and and, and lead them. Love is not self-seeking. Love is looking at another brother, another sister, or someone that is hurting and saying, how can I pour out to help you? Not help you through enabling, but help you through guiding. Because there's a difference in enablement, and leading and loving. So, what is happening here is Paul is writing to Timothy, and he's like, Hey, man, listen, I need you to instruct out of love. I need you to instruct in love. I need love to be at the very root of everything that you're doing. And in fact, here I'm writing to you because I love you. And I'm giving you some guidance, some instruction, and he's guiding him through this. But listen, where does it come from? Where does it come from, and what is it for? You know, one of the purposeful and genuine sides of it is edification. Like when we talk about edification, let me break it down into the words that we use today. Helping someone grow, build in a healthy direction. Leading them in a way that their life is now being developed under the gospel principles and and gospel love and gospel centeredness so that their lives are being led closer to Christ. This is what we're actually charged with. This is part of what we are called to do. And I would even say not just called but commanded. And I'll get into that here in a little bit in Ezekiel 3, and, and you'll kind of see a little bit about that. But, but ultimately, here's the deal. We are given a purpose as Christians to pour into someone so that they could actually grow closer to, uh, closer to Christ. And then you follow that up um, with this whole edification, and there's this charge, and now one of the dangers here, one of the dangers here, you mean I'm told to fix people, right? Anybody ever heard that? Uh, hopefully not, because that's terrible. Right? Because you guys, and me included, we are all terrible fixers. It's like going to a blind surgeon. Anybody signing up for that? Right? Okay, so, so here's where I'm going to say, like here are some parameters to when we talk about God has given us a charge, a command, an instruction in love to see people grow and be built up in Christ. However, however, we have to be careful because it's so easy to misapply this and think that now the reason I go to church is so that I can get some gospel teaching so that I can now fix all my family members that are crazy. Right? I know that there have been moments when, when a verse will ring out in my mind and I'll be like, oh, guess Courtney needs to hear this. Right? Yeah, she's right there, so I, can, yeah. I, but check on me later. Uh, right? Have you guys ever had that thought? Like when you've heard something taught and you're like, hmm. You know what I mean, right? Like get their attention. I'm going to share this. Listen. That's for you just as much as it was for them. Like, our goal isn't to fix people but to lead people. All right? Now, it also, in churches that I've grown up in, and this is the tendency in the American church, and I think just church in general. We can look all the way back through Old Testament, but we're not also the church police. Like, our goal is not to have head on a swivel. Marx is because he's on the safety team. He'll take you out. Um, But our heads aren't supposed to be on a swivel, so that we can find all the people that are more jacked up than us so that we can feel good about ourselves and so that we can now have a project. Like, that's not the job. The job isn't to, to go through and look to find people that are they're that jacked up and then try to fix them or tell them how many ways they're wrong from Sunday. Because love isn't looking like, like an, with an agenda to hurt people. Love is actually looking for people that they can help walk alongside. So when we talk about this, like, I'm not saying don't look for people that are hurting. What I'm saying is don't look for people that are hurting so that they can be your project. Look for people that are hurting so that we can love them the way that Jesus loved us. So what does that look like? And here we get a good picture of that at the end of this verse. It says, with good conscience and sincere faith. I like to sum this word up with the word integrity. How do you love someone that, in a way that is purposeful and genuine? With integrity. You love them with a pure heart. Your intention is not to fix someone, but to love someone. Like, I don't even know if I have the answers on some of your problems. All I know is this, is that I will walk shoulder and shoulder with you the whole way. And there will be moments where you won't be ready to walk forward, so I'll stand behind you and I will carry you. Like, this is that kind of love. We all have been in situations where we've either had to be carried or we've had to carry someone else's burdens. This is the gospel call. This is the command. We have a clear conscience. I like to think of this one like this, like, I have no ulterior motives except to pour my life into someone else. Um, But also, I like to begin to address things in my own heart, repent of them so that I can actually be more effective in loving and leading someone. So there's a clear conscience to it. And uh, when I say genuine, I mean it's sincere. Be sincere. Listen, I I shared this morning in uh, the values teaching This might be a shock, but I've not always been a Christian, and um, I wasn't born one, I guess. (laughs) I was born again in one, though. Good (laughs) job. Sorry, weird Christian humor. You know. All right, so I wasn't born a Christian, and in fact, I just didn't like Christians. Um, I felt like most Christians were fake. and the reason was mostly through love. Um, if God was loving like the Christians that I saw modeled, at least in my perspective growing up, um, I didn't want a part of this God. Um, because what I saw were a whole bunch of smiley, happy faces on a Sunday morning, yet nothing, no la- like no concern Monday through Saturday. And in fact, the depth of the care that I would see on a Sunday morning or a Sunday night or a Wednesday would have been, um, hey, glad you're here all right, cool. Had a terrible week. Thank you for asking. Right? Um, This was my mindset. Now, I'm telling you this not because I'm trying to bash church or bring down a negative perspective. I'm trying to tell you this is my experience. What I gained from that experience was a, a deep distaste or dissatisfaction with who God is. And yet, the reality is is God is not like that in any way. God is the most loving and he sets this model of of and it's very sincere. It's very true like he loves us in the middle of our messes and some of us have had some ugly messes yet God loves you without limit he loves me without limit and he set that model for us as Christians to love other people just like this. now let me ask you this when you encounter someone that will love you in the middle of your most disgraceful moments your most hurting moments does that person does that, that memory does that stick does that impact you? Does that make you think about how much that, like, why do they even care? Like, I don't, ex- I don't even understand this type of caring. When people will meet you where you are. See, sincere love will change everything. It's a game changer. <laughs> now, have you guys ever heard of uh, how wild horses and wild donkeys defend themselves? If you have, listen, this is an edited version of this joke, but it's really, really solid, okay? Um, so here's how this works. Wild horses, when they get attacked, i say a wolf, right? When a wolf attacks wild horses, you know what they do? They actually go and they gather in a circle. They face inward, facing each other. They circle up so that they can now be protected from at least, you know, the inside, a wolf can't get in. It's all from the outside, and as the wolf comes in, they begin to kick outward, injuring and defeating the wolf. Now, wild donkeys, on the other hand, um, they do not fight like this. Instead, they come into a circle with their back legs inside, looking at the wolf, and then they kick each other to death. So here's the question. Are you a wild horse or a wild donkey? (laughs) Everybody that's laughing has to repent. I know what you're thinking. Uh, No, no, in all seriousness, check this out. Check this out, in all seriousness. What are we doing? Like, as Christians, are we wild horses or wild donkeys? Do we circle up and fight against what's actually at our doors attacking us and taking us down throughout the week, or are we actually looking at each other as as little human punching bags so that we can at least feel a little bit of satisfaction within ourselves, so at least I'm not that. You see, your hurts are my hurts. My hurts are your hurts our hurts are our hurts and when love lives like this we will change the direction of the culture around us. Are you a wild donkey or a wild horse. I like it. That's what I'm talking about. Kids coming up for me. Take that adults. Um. <laughs> hey so here's the other part about this. It's really hard because when we talk about like looking inward and actually starting to have a clear conscience it's really hard to look at ourselves sometimes whenever we want to look at everybody else because they make us feel good Um, but it's really hard to look in the mirror some days because when we look we know what's going on in our hearts we don't always like that we don't always like what we see but this is what love looks like looking inward repenting and walking with each other in Hebrews 10, 24, it says this, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. And then in 1 Corinthians 13, 6, it says, It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, uh, but it rejoices with the truth. This is where we get into our next next little key point, concerned and courageous. Listen to this. It is concerned and, and courageous. What does love that speaks look like? It is redeeming. It is a kind of... Of words that come out of our mouths and that come out of our lives toward another person for redemptive purposes. We are looking to pick each other up, not knock each other down. And when we see someone fall, it isn't means for rejoicing. It should be means for heartache. It should be means for heartbreak. Whenever I get calls um, about people in relapse, people, Having relational issues, people being hurt, people falling prey to what it is in their life that that draws them back into their sin, into their pain. I'll be honest, I don't get mad at them. I get sad with them. I get sad because I don't care what you go through or I go through. Like, whatever it is, it, it stinks. Like, it isn't one of these things where it's like, oh, well, I mean, at least it's not that. No, no, listen. If it hurts you, it hurts me. And when I hear about it, I mourn with you. You know, we talk about the verse Jesus wept. Jesus wept with other people. Why? Because what hurt them hurt him. Does what hurts your brother and your sister hurt you? And here's the thing. Once we come to terms with this reality that that what hurts someone else hurts us, like it makes us long for their redemption, we will speak redemptively into their lives. We will speak redemptively into their lives. It is a, a shepherding type of voice. When it's concerned and courageous, like it doesn't rejoice in wrongdoing. Instead, it stirs up others to love and good works. So what does this kind of speech look like? What does love that speaks look like? It looks like this. It looks like this. It's like when, when you see someone struggling with this, we come alongside someone, and then we speak truth, and we speak life, and we speak direction into. Um, case in point. Um, if I have a friend that's like, hey, man, listen, I know I'm married to so-and-so, but, man, this one shit, let me tell you. Um, like, we've been dating for a little while. And here's what redemptive speech would look like for my life. I say, bro, listen, I love you enough to tell you, that's stupid. You're being a moron. God has given you a wife. Love her. End this. This is a road toward death. This is a road toward tragedy. This is a road toward a wreck. Get away from that. It is courageous. I'm more concerned about my friend than about his happiness, than about his pleasure, than about his moment. It is courageous to speak in the moments where where you'd be like, "Oh, that's not my part. No, it is your part. As a Christian, our is to look out and to fight for each other, not wait for things to fall apart. We fight for each other. It is uncomfortable. After that story, I would imagine it would be, right? It would be uncomfortable to have to have this conversation. But listen to what Paul says. Paul wrote this to the Corinthian church in 2 Corinthians 2.4. He says, For I wrote to you out of much affliction, of anguish of heart, and many tears, not to cause you pain, but to let you know the abundant love that I have for you. Like, Paul's actually writing. He's like, listen, this hurts me to even have to have this conversation with you, but I love you so much that I'm willing for you to hurt me. I'm willing to share what I've got to share with you because I love you. And you may ultimately reject me. You may hate me. You may never want to be my friend or my brother or my sister again. But I love you enough to speak out of the anguish of my own heart because you need to hear the truth. Because I love you. Have you ever had to have those conversations with somebody that, that just aren't easy? No Joe, I mean like the real life conversations. Not You know, not not shying away from addressing the elephant in the room? Like those moments when you're like, listen, this is going to kill you. Stop. This is going to kill your family. This is going to kill your career. This is going to kill your relationship with Christ. Like, like, bro, this is not okay. And have you done it? At the risk of losing a loved one. I can tell you that I've I told Kevin I was going to use him as an example, and so here it goes. Kevin Feeney is a jerk. (laughs) I'm just kidding. He's not. He loves me. And I'm going to tell you how I know he loves me. He never has to tell me he loves me, but I know he loves me. Because even in moments when innocence is without doubt, there have been moments where he has called me out from things only because he loved me. And, And I'll tell you one particular story. And I'll go ahead and tell you, full disclosure, it was an absolutely innocent moment. I had the right to be mad when Kevin called me out. But, I'll, no, this is, this is legit. Um, it had to do with integrity of being alone in a building with a female. Now, I don't know if you even remember the story. Okay, so uh, it was here in this building, and um, it was in this room with the doors open, church unlocked, everything, and, like, it was a recovery night. So people coming in and out and this and that, and me, like, sitting over here and her sitting way back there. So everything happens, you know, service starts, service ends, other stuff. Kevin comes up to me after the end and he says, hey, man, listen, um, I, you know, I, I don't think anything was going on or anything like that, but um, you all right, because that's risky. Now, everything was good and innocent here, and, and I'm, I'm being honest, okay? Okay. Um, but I know he loves me because he cared enough to have a very hard and awkward conversation. And I've held on to that. I try not to catch myself in any kind of situation like that, even if everything is set up to protect me from it. Because I had a brother that loved me enough to say, hey, this, this could always look bad. That's love. Love takes initiative to talk to me, even when it means he knew willingly, like coming up and telling me this story, or talking to me about this, that I could have responded like this, like, bro, listen, I was, I was all good. Shut it. Right? Like, that could have been me. But I'm thankful that he loves me enough to do that. I'm thankful that a lot of you know me enough to keep me from my own stupidity. Every one of us have stupid moments, right? We need to love each other enough to help each other guide away from the cliffs that are around us. Love does not neglect speaking truth out of fear. It does not abuse, nor does it enable. So you don't need to go around. We don't go around looking for people to speak truth into because, you know, we're the church police. But we also don't look at things that are going on in people's lives and just allow them to fall off the cliff. You know, in Ezekiel chapter 3, there's a couple of different places where it just really talks through. And Ezekiel's commanded to go and to give some stuff and, and talk to people and share this with the Israelites, right? Um, and I'm not going to read the specific verse, so I'm just going to kind of paraphrase it right here. Basically, here is our call. Here is our command. Listen, when we see train wrecks about to happen and we can do something about it and speak into it, all right, when we can, if we don't, we are accountable, just as accountable as they are that commit it. Ezekiel makes this very clear. He says, if you see a brother or a sister falling, about to fall prey to something and you don't talk to them about this in love, then what happens to them, their blood will be on your hands. And then it also goes on to say, but if you do and they reject it, you will be innocent of that blood. Listen, if you see me being, here's a green light to every single one. If you're like, well, where do I start? You can start with me. If you see gaps in my life or you see me doing something ignorant, (laughs) such a broad, um, but hey, listen, and no joke, if you see those things to me, I would be grateful if you would speak to me. I would be grateful if you'd come and just say, hey, man, listen, um, I saw where you were the other day. Is that safe? Is that smart? Green light. Listen, I, I pray that you love me enough to speak to me and to share with me in hard moments. It's easy to love people in easy stuff. It's hard to love people when the rubber meets the road. And here's what I would ask you to do. Do that with me. If you don't know who to start with, start with me. But if you really want to get to it, look around. To your right, to your left, front, behind. Listen, these are your brothers and sisters in Christ. Here's where we start together. Start as a family. And you may think that your, your voice won't really matter, so why should you do it? I just want to read this to you. Check this out. In 1645, I know, I'm going way back. 1645, one vote gave Oliver Cromwell control of all of England. In 1649, one vote caused Charles I of England to be executed. In 1845, one vote brought Texas into the Union. In 1868, one vote saved President Andrew Johnson from impeachment. In 1875, one vote changed France from a monarchy into a republic. In 1876, one vote gave Rutherford B. Hayes the United States presidency. In 1923, one vote gave Adolf Hitler control of the Nazi Party. We are that one vote with each other's lives. Our obedience or our disobedience may have tremendous impact on the lives of the people around you, the people that we love. Love speaks. Love speaks the vote into the lives of each other. In Hebrews 10.25, it says this, Not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Love that speaks is engaged and it is consistent. Christians will love individually, and we will love corporately. It's a non-negotiable. That is a part of who we are. I'm not giving you action items. I'm giving you truth. You will love people. This is what God has done in our lives. He has drawn us and called us and commanded and commissioned and equipped us to love each other. And it's a good day we do this on family day because sometimes we need all that equipment just to love our kids, right? I mean, being legit. Am I the only one that ever has a kid that says no? All the time, right? Or, I don't know if this ever happens to you guys. No, you can't have the fruit, fruit snacks. God, slap to the face, you know love love it is engaged and it is consistent it is very possible for us as a christian body as a person as an individual and as a church to miss this it's very easy it's very easy to miss the deeper experience of the christian life and i really do believe that i do believe that love is one of those those principles that that biblical discipleship or disciplines that um, that leads us to deeper experiences in our faith and deeper experiences in our relationships. I believe love is vital. But neglect will rob us of that joy. Neglect will rob us of that joy. Listen, if you neglect the people around you and I neglect the people around me, we will miss out on the deeper experiences of the Christian life. This is way sweeter and way better when we do this together. It really is. If you're in a life group, you know. If you like your life group. If you don't like your life group, you're like, God, wrong. All right, but I, I tend to think people that are engaged in a life group, I think you understand this, don't you? When something goes wrong and you get that phone call. I know I put a note on uh, our website this week on Facebook that um, I just needed prayer this week. had a big test this week. And um, I can't tell you how much that helped me to know that I had people that loved me enough to take time out of the day to pray for me. To put a comment on a Facebook or to click a like or to say something like, we're with you, we're one body, this is happening. Um, and I believe fully that those prayers matter. They matter to me. If they don't matter on my test score, I don't know. I'll find out next week. But I know they matter to me, and you absolutely impacted my life by that type of love. How does love speak into this? It speaks into this like this. Compassionately, courageously, intentionally, and it does so consistently. So if you want to know how to do this, look at these four. Be compassionate, be courageous, be intentional, be consistent. Don't drop the ball for each other. Listen, you're too valuable for me, uh, to me, for me to want to drop this ball. Like, I want to be a part of your life. And I want you to be, like, invested in my life. I want you to pray for me, to pray for my kids, to pray for my marriage. So when you see me having a rough day, I, I love it whenever one when of you guys just give me a hug or put your arm around me. I can't tell you how many times I know Mike, I've, I've talked to him just, like, parenting stuff. And Lisa, this was early on. This was, like, two years ago I'd ask questions. And you guys would take the time to try to answer There are so many of you that have impacted my life deeply. Why? Because you took and let love be the initiative. Let's do that for each other. As we close, I just want to encourage you that, that this, would be, this would be who we are. This would be who we are, that when people think of rich church, they think of one word, love. Love that doesn't make sense kind of love. You see, we need this. We need to pray for each other. We need to speak life into each other. So as we close, we have our Lord's Supper up here, and we have one in the back. And, and essentially, this is what this is. This is what this means. Listen, the Lord's Supper, it is a representation of what God has done for us. God has poured out His blood so that you and I could have forgiveness of sin, that His love would be so poured out on us that we would have a body broken of Jesus Christ so that we could have a relationship with this King, with this God. This is what God has loved us like. This is, God, this is what God has spoken to us. He said, do this in remembrance of me. Why? Because he loved us so much, he wanted us to never forget it. And he, give us, he gave us something so that we could remember it by, by the very act of actually taking part of bread and juice that was broken and poured out for us. God loves you and me this much. This is what God is like. This is how much he loves us. Listen, we can speak life into each other, Are you guys with this? We can speak life into each other. Jesus has actually called us to it. He has equipped us for it. The only way that darkness wins, listen, in 1 John, or in John 1, 5, there are a lot of Johns. um, In John 1, 5, listen to this. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The only way that darkness wins is if we do nothing. Love will speak into this, so I would ask you one question. Will you? Will you speak love into the person beside you, in front of you, behind you, all around you? Love wins. Love does. Love speaks. Will you?